0: Going to get into the Word of God, I've got the shortest outline that I've ever brought to the pulpit here at Return. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no, I'm going to try to be brief this morning, but I, I want to speak. We, we're, we're continuing on this theme of the unbroken line. Which What, what is the unbroken line? What does that mean? It's, it, it's, it's a reference to uh, the, the kingdom being passed from generation to generation. Amen. Generational ministry is important. I I want you to know this. Whatever season of life that you're in, you are valuable to this house. If you're retiring, if you're middle age, if you're a young person, you are valuable and you are vital to this house. I'm going to speak especially to our young people this morning. I'm going to talk about esteeming the next generation, esteeming the next generation. You know, that if, if uh, y- you want to reach people, you will, you will never reach them if, if you don't value them. You'll, you'll never be effective at ministering to someone if you don't value them. Right. If, if they don't know that you care, I think it was John Maxwell, he said that people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's, right. that's, a, that's a reality. You're, you're never going to influence pe- someone that you don't respect that you don't esteem, that you don't value. I want our young people to know this morning, we esteem you, we value you, we respect you, we see you as significant, you're important, you are vital to the health and the life of this, this congregation, this body, this, this fellowship. Amen. We love you guys. When we look at the millennials, and millennials are basically those who are college students and older, and then this, this last generation, they've, they've called them uh, Generation Z, or the terminal generation. And sociologists and, and just people in general tend to have a lot of negative things to say about this generation. They think about them as lazy, entitled, unmotivated, self-centered. When you hear people talking about this generation, that's what you hear often, and I don't buy any of it. I don't buy any of it. If they are those things, we have to look in the mirror. It's our own fault. I refuse to accept that about my children. I I refuse to accept that for our youth and our young people in this church. Amen? Our our children are called. Our young people have a purpose. Our young people were designed by God. Our, our, Our young people were called for such a time as this. Amen? God's raised our young people up. And we're going to speak life. We're going to speak good things. Amen. We're going to prophesy over our children. They may not be doing well, but we're going, to, we're going to do CPR and we're going to resuscitate. We're going to speak the word of God to them and we're going to see life come to them. And we're going to see them rise up to fulfill the call and the purpose and the plan of God for their lives. Amen. Listen, God is not going to be without a people in any generation. So God's got a remnant for the millennials. Amen. God's got a people amongst Generation Z. Amen? He's always going to have a people. There's an unbroken line that's going to go from generation to generation. So that's what we're talking about this morning. You know that, that Jesus called young people? He called young people. Now, we don't exactly know the years. I've been studying this and looking at this. They, they were, the, the men that Jesus called were somewhere between the ages of 13 and maybe the oldest being 30. Jesus called young people, and when he he died on that cross, was put in the grave, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he left a team of young men that carried the gospel for nearly 60, 70 years after he was gone because he called young men, and he invested in their lives. We're going to look at a young man today named Timothy. Paul invested in this young man Timothy, and he was indeed that a young man. We're going to see exactly how young he was. We're going to talk a lot about his age here in just a second, and find out how young he was. But Paul invested in this young man Timothy, and so let, let's let's look at this. First Timothy chapter four, beginning in verse twelve. He says, "Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young." King James says, don't let anyone despise your youth. How many young people do we have this morning? Come on, I can't hear you. How many young people do we have in the building this morning? Come on, young people are supposed to be full of life and rowdy. How many young people do we have here this morning? Don't let anybody look down upon you because you are young or think less of you or despise your youth. He writes to this young man, he says, be an example to all the believers in what you say and in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Young people, you're not too young to be an example. Amen? So you're not too young to be an example. Until so I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you, like what happened here. And the word used here is actually by the presbytery or the elders of the church when they laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to to those matters, to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. There's a word to young people. Throw yourself into it. Give yourself, whatever God has called you to do, whatever you were involved in. If, it, if, if it's academics, throw yourself into it. If, if, if it's academics, throw yourself into it. The study of God's word, ministry, throw yourselves into it. We are going to gear our young people for ministry. You're going to begin to see young people, teenagers, greeting at the front door. You're going to be see begin to see... I, I know we already have young people served up to serve as a part of our VBS team. We're going to see them in the media booth. You're going to see them on the worship team. Hopefully soon you'll get to hear some of them preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. We're going to equip them to teach and preach the Word of God. Amen. We're going to see our young people equipped and called into ministry. Amen? And And let me just say this we're not going to do it foolishly we're not going to allow anybody to hurt themselves we're not going to allow people to get up here and say things that aren't in line with the word of god they're going to be trained they're going to be ready they're going to be equipped but if we start doing that when they're in kindergarten they should be ready by the time they're in the 5th grade right so exactly how young was this this man Timothy there's a an apocryphal book it's called the acts of Timothy It's not a biblically inspired book, but it is a historical document, and it states that in the year 97 AD, 60 plus years after Jesus' ascension, an 80-year-old bishop named Timothy tried to halt a procession in honor of the goddess Diane by the preaching of the gospel. This Timothy, who Paul raised up in the Lord, was an And and, and How old old would he have been at that point? An 80-year-old bishop, and he stands in the midst of this pagan worship and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the result of that is these angry pagans beat him, drug him through the streets, and stoned him to death. That's how Timothy, who this epistle was written to, died according to history. So, the fact that he is 80 years old in 97 A.D. would make him a teenager at the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He was a teenager. One historical document said that, uh, that, that Timothy was about 16 years old when he and his mother converted to Christianity. His, his family, were, they were devout Jews, his, and we're going to read it in just a minute, a passage that talks about the faith of his grandmother, his mother. They were Jewish. But when Timothy was about 16 years old, he and his mother put their faith in Jesus. They came to see Jesus as their, their longed-for Messiah. This was probably uh, during the Apostle Paul's visit to their home at Lystra, historians believe. When Timothy was about 21 years old, he, was with, with, uh, he and Silas accompanied the Apostle Paul on his second tour through asia minor his second missionary journey from that time on timothy was closely identified with the apostle paul and served with him in the ministry it's believed that in his early 30s paul left timothy at ephesus and this is where he received these two epistles first and second timothy while he was pastoring he was an elder in Ephesus, and this is when he would have received these letters. So we just read the text out of 1 Timothy. And so Timothy would have probably been in his 30s, but he was looked at as a young leader, a young man. And Paul says, don't let anybody, you may, you may have some 60 or 70-year-old folks in your church that you're leading, but don't let them despise you just because you are young. So don't any of you 80-year-olders look down at me just because I'm 46. Don't despise me because I'm young. So Paul had an extreme fondness for this young young man, Timothy. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he's he's, he's been taking them to task, and he starts in this verse saying, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you, as my beloved children. It's Paul speaking as a father, and he says, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. And so I urge you to imitate me. And I I, I want to just pause right here and and say this again. We adults, we we need to be living our lives in a way that are worth following. We need to live our lives in a way that is worth following. Amen? Amen? Whether you like it or not, you've got somebody following you. That's right. Whether you like it or not, you've got somebody that's looking at your example, your children, your, your young children, your, your grandchildren. Maybe you don't have kids. There are, there are kids in this church that are watching your actions. We need to live lives that are worthy of following. Amen. Paul said, I urge you to imitate me. We, we all ought to be confident enough in our walk with Jesus that we can utter those same words. A lot of times we don't feel worthy to say that. But we ought to be confident enough in our walk with Jesus that we are bold enough to say, come and follow me as I follow Jesus. Not that we're perfect, we don't say that arrogantly, but with humility we ought to be able to say it to folks, come and follow me as I follow Christ. He goes on, he says, that's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how, <clears throat> how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach uh, in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking, "I will not visit you again." And, and I, I just wonder if Paul's not seeing, seeing, seeing that these church folks just kind of don't think that Timothy is quite worthy of following, because he's young. And so they've gotten lifted up. But Paul says, I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. So those of us that are older, we need to stay humble. Amen? Amen. We need to stay humble. 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. I want to read these. I'm looking at Paul's fondness for Timothy, he says, I'm writing to you, Timothy, my dear son. It's a term of endearment. My dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Listen to what he says about Timothy here. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. Look, look at the bond between these two men, father and son, spiritually. He says, I, I remember your tears as we departed. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. And here, right here, this, this next Few uh, phrases, we've got the unbroken line. It says, For you share the faith that was first, that that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. There's an unbroken line right there. Timothy's grandmother Lois, who walked in the faith and raised her daughter Eunice to walk in the faith. And her grandson Timothy grows to walk in the faith. That's what it ought to look like, folks. That's God's intent for our families. That our children would grow in in our faith. Amen. That they would have the same faith that we have. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. Here again, the presbytery laying hands on uh, Paul, laying hands on Timothy. For God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm a prisoner for him. And when the strength God, when the strength God gives you, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. So we, we see in this passage Timothy's love for his spiritual sons. I was strolling through Facebook this last week. I came across a picture of, of uh, three, three young men, Stephen, Tyler Flora, uh, Derek Hammonds, and DJ Ritchie. These young men helped me when we were pastoring in Texas. We, 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 we had church, I don't know if you knew this, but we had church in a bowling alley for two years. And every Sunday, I'd pull up with a pickup truck with all of our equipment, and they would help me load it off, set it up. They'd play on the worship team. They'd stick around after everybody else left, help me load the equipment back in the truck. They did that week after week, over two years. They did that. We did outreaches. They helped me remodel buildings. I looked back at these young men with fondness. DJ is serving in his father-in-law's church in Houston today. Stephen is working with youth and working as a worship leader at a church in New Braunfels, Texas today. Derek changed while he was in college, he changed his, his, his major. He was going to graduate with a physics degree at 20 years old. He was brilliant. He changed his major. He, he came to us his sophomore year and decided, because the gospel impacted his life so much, he decided he was going to change his major and become a teacher so he'd have his summers off so he'd be able to go on short-term missions trips. And he did that for years, he and his wife, Catherine. And today, uh, actually, Derek has a really cool job. He is the, the flight commander for the International Space S- uh, S- Station. He, overnight, he does the night shift. He controls the International Space Station. He, he lives in Houston and works at NASA. But I looked at those young men, and my heart about leapt out of my chest with pride. Those are spiritual sons. And it just filled my heart with joy to see them strong. They're flourishing. They're continuing. That is the most fulfilling, I'll tell you, probably the emptiest feeling that I've ever had. Standing on the biggest platform that I ever have stood on, preaching to 5,000 people, walking back to the back after the service and death came over me. Emptiness, worthlessness. Is this all there is to this thing? Preaching doesn't really fulfill you. But discipleship does. Building people will fulfill you. Raising sons to maturity, that fulfills you. That is life-giving. And that's what it's all about. I love young people. I love young people. I understand I have responsibilities as a leader, as a, as a, a, a pastor of this church. I have leader, leadership obligations and responsibilities. But one thing I will do, I will commit to do, is I, I will always spend time around young men. I will always make investment into young men. They are worth it. Amen? I, 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 thank you. I told you what I've kind of adopted as my mission statement a few weeks ago. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. People may not remember my name when I'm gone, but I want to leave a legacy of spiritual sons. I want that in in, in my place there will be dozens of men standing in pulpits preaching the gospel, working on missions fields, teaching in Sunday school classrooms, Working in Bible colleges, I pray that I leave a legacy of men declaring God's word. That's my desire. I love young people. It's my commitment to invest in them. It's my commitment to see them equipped, to see them called, equipped, and empowered. We don't empower our young people often enough, but we need to empower them to do the work of the Lord. We need to put trust and confidence. They're going to fall. You know what? Somebody put me on a platform, and I'm sure I, I messed it up. I'm sure I wasn't as eloquent as I thought I was at the time, but they gave me a shot. Somebody gave you a shot. Amen. Hey man, we need to give our young people a shot. So, young people, I want to speak to you for just a minute as I'm wrapping this thing up. I want to give you some advice. Here's advice from a middle-aged man to young people. All right? So, first piece is out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you... Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So he says, accept the authority of the elders. I want to say that probably one of the greatest uh, blessings of my life is hanging out with people with gray hair. It's awesome. I value old folks. I esteem them. One of of my pastors, a mentor, his name was Rick Gonzalez. He said this. He said, every time an old person dies, it's like a library burning down. Let me tell you something, young people. Us old folks know some things that you don't know. There are some lessons that we have learned, and if you'll listen to us, if you'll hear our stories, if you'll hear the lessons that we have learned, you can avoid a lot of pain in life. That's the value of a mentor. There are two ways to learn. You either make mistakes or you learn from somebody else's mistakes. And the value of a mentor is you can learn from their mistakes and you don't have to repeat them. You can avoid falling down on your face a hundred times if you walk in relationship with people who have been there and done it. If you want to start a business, find somebody who has successfully started a business and let them mentor you. If you're called to the ministry, find yourself a a preacher with some salt and pepper in his beard and let them mentor you. Somebody who has had success and let them pour into you. It will save you years of pain. I'll tell you something about Chad Hayes. He's done everything wrong at least once. I've learned a lot of lessons. Man, I've got some things to share. Young people, older folks have something to share. Some of the, the greatest blessings in my life are the relationships that I've had with Van Gill and David Cook and Steve Fender, and I, go, I could go down a whole long list. Every time I get around older ministers, I shut up. Most young, young ministers rattle off how awesome they are. I've learned just to shut up and listen to those, those older guys and how much they have done. I was on a... Uh, Uh, back in a green room on a television set Christian television we were getting ready to go on and there were these preachers back there I sat on the couch with my mouth shut and I listened to them and when I got a chance to say something I asked questions I've still got the bible that I took to that 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 show that program and I've got the notes that I took from those older senior leaders I want to learn from those men I'm I'm blessed to to be able to hang out with Pastor Bill. He's got acumen, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, things that I can glean. It's a blessing to me. Amen? Amen. Value those folks. Listen to what they have to say. When God puts a father, a spiritual father, in your life, value them. Esteem them. Listen to what they have, have to say. Accept the authority of the elders. It will transform your life. It will empower you. I know you think you know it all. I did too. That's one thing you're going to learn as you go. The older you get, the more you realize you don't know. Right? I've learned a lot, but there's still a lot I don't know. And when we're young, we don't know it all. We need men who can help us. We do. We need men who can pour into our lives, shape us, and help us to avoid a lot of the mistakes. It'll save us. So draw close to the older generation. That's the first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is out of Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. Work hard. King James says, studied. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. King James says it this way study to show yourself a workman that needs not to be ashamed says "Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth." Here's my second piece of advice to young people: Eat this book. Study this book. Consume it." I was the, the, when, when I walked to my pastor's office one night and told them that, that I felt that God had called me into ministry. He said, you've got to prove it. I can't prove it for you. You've got to prove it. He said, make your calling and election sure. You're the only one that can do that. I can't get you there. You're going to have to dig in and do the work. You're going to have to prove it. If God's called you, you've got to prove it. I can't do it for you. He gave me two pieces of advice. You know what the first piece of advice was? Be careful who you date. One of the greatest pieces of advice I have ever received in my life because of this lady that's sitting right here. She's a blessing to me. We have a unity in our, in, our, in our ministry, in our walk, that a lot of preachers don't have. My pastor said that some of the greatest ministers of the gospel that he knew had wives that would not walk with them, and because of that, their ministries were hindered. He said, don't even take a woman to coffee if she doesn't have a prayer life. She's not a woman of the word. If she's not someone that has a ministry, don't take her on a date. Some of the best advice that I got. But the second piece of advice, my pastor told me to get into the word of God. Dig into the word of God. He said you cannot stand in a pulpit and claim to be authority of God's word if you haven't even read it. He said there are preachers that are faking it. They haven't even read the entire Bible. Read this word. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning, Bible. Last thing I do, Bible. Got it right there on my phone. I can flip open the the scriptures, read them, plug my phone in and go to sleep. Read this book, consume it. This book has the power to bless your life in every single way. If you'll become a person of the word, your marriage will be blessed. Your relationships will be blessed. Your business will be blessed. Your vocation will be blessed. Your ministry, if God calls you, will be blessed. Everything that you do, your studies will be blessed. If you'll learn the word of God, maybe you don't understand all of it. Maybe you don't comprehend it. I'll be truthful. I've been a student of God's word for 20 plus years. I don't understand all of it but I dig into it and I glean and I learn and I grow every single day. It's been a blessing to my life. Young people, you're not too young to comprehend this. You guys are brilliant. You young people are brilliant. You can understand the the word of of God. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're too young and you, you can't comprehend it, you can't grasp it. It's a lie, it's a lie. Get into the word of God. Now, the last thing that I want to show you is this. It's, it's a picture of fruitfulness for generations. It's the unbroken line. Fruitfulness for generations. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. And I just want to say this while you're, you're going there, that we as a church are going to do everything that we can to get the word of God to young people. We're gonna develop catechisms for our youngsters, and they will hopefully go through that all the way through high school. If you put your child into this uh, student ministries at Return Church, I'm I'm gonna make this promise to you. They are going to come away biblically literate. That's my commitment. We don't have all the programs in place right now. I don't even know how it all works yet, but that's my commitment. We're gonna build it, and we're gonna train our young people. Our kids shouldn't graduate high school and not know the books of the Bible. They should, should know the gifts of the Spirit. They should know all of the major characters in the Bible. They should have Scripture memorized, committed to their heart. Amen? Amen. Kids go through church and, 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 and go off to the university, and they're biblically illiterate, and they, they're sent for the slaughter to these liberally, secularly-minded professors. Who immediately, as soon as they walk on the campus, begin to attack their faith. We've got to ground our children in the word of God. So here's a picture of fruitfulness for generations. Genesis chapter 26, beginning in verse 23, he says, for, 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 from there Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. And he says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants. See, there's the unbroken line right there. I am the God of your father, and I'm I'm coming here to bless you, and I'm going to multiply your descendants. Tell me that God isn't into blessing our generations. Tell me that God doesn't care about your household. Tell me that God doesn't care about your children and your grandchildren. That's the unbroken line, folks. It says they're going to become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Now, check this next verse out. Here's, there, there are three things in this verse that we all need to do. It says Isaac built an altar there. He worshiped God. He worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. These patriarchs in the Bible, they did these three things almost everywhere that they went. First thing that they did, first thing they did. First thing, that, we need to emphasize that, the first thing that they did, they built an altar. And they worshiped the Lord. If you were, if you were living in the land back in the days of Abraham and Isaac, You would have been traveling through the countryside to find an altar. Oh, Abraham's been here. Everywhere they went, they built an altar. Second, they set up camp. And third, they dug wells because they had flocks that they had to water. They built altars. They set up camp. And they dug wells. It's a picture for us, church. This is, what, this is how we need to live our lives, and this is how we need to help young people to learn to live their lives. We need to help young people, number one, have a walk with Jesus, that's building altars. Number two, have a strong family life, that's setting up camp. And thirdly, I don't know about you, but I want to raise a generation with an unusual work ethic. I'm raising my kids to work. My, my kids all have jobs. I'm their boss. Amen. There's a payday. Payday's coming. I haven't paid them for a couple weeks. They keep reminding me of that. <laughs> can I borrow some money? <laughs> They've got jobs. We're renovating a house, and when they work, they get paid. When they don't work, they don't get paid. And when they go to the store, the money that they have is the money they can spend. I'm teaching my children to be responsible and to have a work ethic. Amen. One, of my, one of my kids is right now talking about starting a business. I said, okay, how much do I have to have to partner with you? Because he's actually pretty good at what he wants to do. How much do I have to pay to buy in? I want 50 50 ownership. I want to make half of everything you make. What does that cost me? I'm going to teach my kids to have a work ethic. We need to do this. Number one, we need to teach our kids to build altars. This is my priority. The number one thing I want for my kids is for them to get to an altar. Number one, period. I can li- if they bring C's home on their report card, I can live with that. If they miss the game-winning shot, I can live with that. If they make some poor decisions in life, I can live with it. I can coach them through it, I can can walk with them. But the number one priority for me for my kids, I want to get them to an altar. Amen. Amen. I came down to an altar at nine years old. You know what happened? God filled me with the Spirit. All through my teenage years, my entire junior high and high school career, I ran away from God. But you know, there was a constant tug on my heart because I had an encounter with God Amen. as a nine-year-old child. I met God on an altar, and I couldn't get away from it. I'd be drunk out of my mind, and my, I would I'd somehow drift back to that moment, that encounter that I had with God, and I would begin to weep. I would begin to sorrow, long to come back to God, long for Repentance. And ultimately, that was what brought me back. The touch of God on my life. We've got to get our kids to an altar. Build altars in your home. Have prayer meetings in your home. It's hard. There's resistance. We, we try. We set out to, to have a daily prayer meeting, and we get work, remodeling, errands, all these things, basketball, all these things, attacking our prayer life. Keep working towards it. Keep striving to build altars. Build altars. Set up camp. Let me encourage you to build a strong home life for your family. Don't send your kids off with somebody all the time. Don't entrust them to babysitters. Don't entrust them to the neighborhood kids. You need to have a home life. Be home and be present. It's hard. It's difficult. Listen, if anybody knows about it, it's me. Come try to work a work schedule of a pastor and then remodel your house in the evenings. It's hard, it's difficult, but we, do, we, we, we try to set things on our calendar. We try to take trips with them. We try to take them to, to bowl or, or to play games or do something with our kids. We try to get them around the table as much as we can. And it's hard. I understand the assault of busyness that's on our lives, but we've got to keep making an effort. In spite of all that stuff that's coming at us, if we'll just make an effort, you'll, you'll, you'll triumph and you'll prevail. Make an effort to build a strong home life for your family. And and lastly, dig wells. Dig wells. That that speaks of vocation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I want to work hard because I want to set an example for my children. My grandfather On both sides of our family, they were hard workers. My dad was a hard worker. My dad retired from truck diving at 80 years old. He went to work for me then for the next year. He rode around with me in my construction truck and helped out. He worked into his 80s. He was a hard working man. I have an example. I want to leave that same example for my children. In a a generation, where they're called lazy and entitled, self-centered. I want to raise hardworking, giving, selfless, motivated kids. How about you? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want to remind you, listen, if you are new to Return Church, if you're new to our church, we're going to have a reception. There's a hallway right back here. Go back to the end of that hallway. If you're new, if you've just been with us a month or two, you haven't got to know us very well, myself, my wife, Pastor Bill, and Elizabeth, we're all going to be back there. We want to meet you. It'll take 15 minutes, and then you can hang around after that and talk to us even longer if you want. But we want to meet you if you're new to our church. So please come and, come and join us. But you know what I want to do? I want to invite our, our, our young people down to the altar, Can we build an altar with our kids? Amen, young people. If if you consider yourself a young person, come on. So how about this junior high, high school, college age? Come on. If you're in your early 20s, come on. We're going to pray over you guys this morning. Amen. Awesome, Awesome awesome-looking group of young people. Guys, listen. I love you guys. I believe in you guys. We esteem you. We value you. It means the world that you're here. We're glad you're here. Amen? You are valuable to us. If you need anything, we're here for you. This church is here for you. There are people here that love you. I love you, but they love you. Your parents love you. You you know you got a mom and dad that love you? Or grandparents that love you? That's why you're here. We believe in you guys. Amen? I want you to understand this. Every one of you are important. Every one of you are called by God, marked by God for some specific purpose. God designed each and every one of you And who you are, the way that you are, is perfect. God made you perfect. You're the right height. You got the right hair color. The right eyes. God made you the way you are, and you are beautiful. And you are valuable to him. You know what? I want you guys to be fulfilled in life. Number one, I want y'all to walk with Jesus, grow closer every day. Joe, Amanda, Sarah, fact, Jessica and Shannon, y'all come stand behind these guys. If you've got a child here, I want you to come stand behind him. Just make a line around these young people. We're gonna pray over these guys. Doesn't matter what you guys become. If you work with your hands, to you become a teacher, firefighter, a police officer, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever you become, your life matters. If you become a missionary or a pastor, I want you to know this: your life matters. We want to help you to accomplish the purpose of God in your lives. That's our commitment to you as a church. We want to see you grow in your walk with Jesus, grow in your calling, and we're gonna do everything that we can as a church to nurture that and to help that. You've got some good leaders around you. You've got good parents. Your leaders are flawed, your parents are flawed, I'm flawed, but we love Jesus we're striving to follow him. And we want to help you guys do the same. Amen. We're going to pray over you guys. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these young people. Just lay your hands on your back, if, if their backs if you're an adult. Come in behind them. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just pray over these young people. Guard them. Keep them, Lord God. We know that the enemy is desiring to sift them. He's desiring to destroy their lives, Father. But right now, in the name of Jesus, We say that by the power of your spirit, you are upholding them. By your grace, you are keeping them, Lord. By your mighty hand, Lord God. Father, strengthen these young people. Draw them, Lord God. May they have a sense of the awesomeness of God. May they have an awareness of your presence, Lord God. May they experience you and encounter you, Lord God. May you be real to them. Father, I pray that as they reach out to you, that you'll reach back. Your word says that you are faithful to do it. If we will draw near to you, you will draw near to us. May they have encounters. May they experience you. May they understand what it is to walk with Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, mark them today, Lord God. Let them have an awesome awareness of your presence. Father, we bless you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Listen, you know what I want to do? I want to worship. Can we worship for just a minute? Can we worship? Church, why don't we come down around here and let's just worship the Lord for a minute. Beautiful, lift your voice, lift your voice and sing. ask Steve to come and dismiss us. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give our kids to you. They are yours. Lord, we'll do all that we can, all that's in our power, to help them to know you and walk with you. Lord, we commit the rest to you. Draw them, minister to them, pour your spirit out upon them, Lord God. Let them all be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, keep them and guard them as they walk through this world. Raise them up. Raise them up for a mighty purpose, Lord. Help us as parents. Help us as leaders. We need your help, and we acknowledge it. We thank you. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask of us older folks, find a young person and give them a hug as we go
1: back to our seats Steve's going to dismiss us. Come on, Steve. Praise his name. Thank you, Pastor Chad. And as we get ready to be dismissed, I want to just reiterate, as a member of the board, the board is very, very much wanting our youth to be successful, mostly spiritually. But we do, as a board, take it seriously. So I want you to know we love you, love each and every one of you. Remember our offering boxes in the back. You know, the church family is our most important family besides our natural families. I remember, yeah, I'm a gray-headed old guy. The world's different today, but we all have our own internal battles. And I remember as a teenager, 15, yeah, way long time ago, I think we had cars, But what I wanna encourage you is, we still struggled about who we were. And I'll never forget my church family and what it meant to me. It's important. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, we're important to each other. Let's be dismissed. Heavenly Father, you for who you are. Thank you for loving us as we are, no matter where we are. And Lord, I ask that you touch each and every one here today. Show your love of God, your love, your love to each and every young person, middle-aged person, old guys like me I feel it every day and I don't want to leave it And Lord we come each Sunday to renew our commitment to each other as family members and I ask that you never never let us forget how important we are to you I ask you to bless each and every one as we go our separate ways keep them and bless them as they go in Jesus name we pray And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Amen.